great American civil rights activist, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, once said, Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Hello and welcome to As the Crow Flies, a podcast for anyone working in maritime ministry. My name's Lance Lucan and today we're going to consider the place and importance of advocacy as a tool for change. We will look at what advocacy is and the pros and cons of how we might go about it. And then we might try to offer some tips and tricks as well, all in the aim of helping us to be better at speaking out and taking action on behalf of those we work to support, so that we can be more effective in caring for the lives of seafarers and those we work with. So buckle in and join me on the journey as the crow flies. I was born in 1967. Now, by all accounts, there was nothing all that remarkable about my delivery. I weighed in at 7 pounds 9 ounces at birth and was described on the records as a lovely baby. What was remarkable, though, was the fact that my mother did not know that she was pregnant. But then, given her age, being pregnant wasn't exactly something that would normally cross her mind. You see, my birth mother was only 14 when I was born. And so it's not surprising that given the era when I was born, I was placed for adoption. This was deemed at the time to be the best solution for all. It was believed that in doing so, my birth mother would be able to get on with her life, unencumbered by a baby, and I could be placed with a family who would be better suited to raise a young infant. At least, that was what was believed at the time. But fast forward 50-odd years and we know a lot more. Today's episode, though, is not about adoption. Rather, it's about advocacy. And there is a connection to the tale. You see, New Zealand, like many countries around the world, practiced what was called closed stranger adoptions. This meant that as part of the adoption process, no one knew who anyone else was. My birth mother was not told who I was being placed with, and my adoptive parents were not told who my birth mother really was. The records were sealed, and to this day, the majority of that information remains locked away, and I have no rights to see any of it. Yet here's the thing. Many people who are adopted start to wonder who they really are and where they come from. Not everyone, but many, and not having access to that information can cause considerable harm. Equally, given the fact that during the 50s, 60s and 70s, simply hundreds of thousands of children worldwide were placed for adoption, there are today considerable numbers of birth parents who would love to know what happened to their children. After all, given the time that this occurred, many birth mothers felt powerless as they had limited options about what to do. And more often than not, they simply accepted adoption as the best course of action, because it was the only one offered to them. Which is where advocacy comes in. You see, over the years, groups of adoptees and birth parents started to push for change. They wanted to access the records and wanted to do the search to find out who they were and where they fit into the world. Groups of people lobbied parliaments, wrote books, told their stories and raised the issues so that legislative change could occur. Now, before you get too excited, the truth is that there is still a long way to go in this issue. But today, I have access to the key information about who my birth mother was. And as a result of that, I have been able to meet her and find out things about where I fit into the world. And adoptees can do this in my country because when they were mainly voiceless, others stepped in and used their voices on their behalf to fight for change. And that is what advocacy is. The word advocacy 
can have a variety of meanings and can evoke different images and ideas in the minds of those who hear it. Advocacy comes from the Latin advocare, meaning to call out for support or more literally to add a voice, advocare. One definition that I particularly like, which comes from the Save the Children Fund, suggests that advocacy is a social change process affecting attitudes, social relationships and power relations, which strengthens civil society and opens up democratic spaces. Advocacy can take many forms. Typically, as another definition suggests, advocacy is an activity by an individual or group that aims to influence decisions within political, economic and social institutions. Advocacy includes activities and publications to influence public policy, laws and budgets by using facts, their relationships, the media and messaging to educate government officials and the public. Advocacy can include many activities that a person or organisation undertakes, including media campaigns, public speaking, commissioning and publishing research. Lobbying, often by lobby groups, is also a form of advocacy, where a direct approach is made to legislators on a specific issue or specific piece of legislation. Obviously, as I've already said, advocacy has many forms and can involve a variety of people. The simplest form of advocacy is self-advocacy, when we fight our own cause or champion our own case. While this can work in some circumstances, often advocacy requires the involvement of others, whether that be a collective of peers or broader community and higher profile involvement. In terms of aims, the overarching aim of advocacy in all of its forms seeks to ensure that people, particularly those who are the most vulnerable in society, are able to have their voice heard on issues that are important to them, defend and safeguard their rights, and have their views and wishes genuinely considered when decisions are being made about their lives. I have the pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. In reality, when people think about advocacy, it's often in the context of social justice. Because social justice is often at the core of advocacy work, particularly in our setting working with seafarers. And as we will consider in a little while, Advocacy can occur in a variety of ways, such as writing letters of concern or letters to the editor, holding public meetings, delivering lectures and speeches to raise awareness, internet and social media campaigns, petitions and demonstrations or sit-ins and occupations, or even protests and rallies, like the iconic civil rights movement of the 1960s, or the Occupy Wall Street sit-in of 2011, or even more recently, the resurgent Black Lives Matter movement following the tragic death of George Floyd on 25th of May of this year. But acts of advocacy do not necessarily need to take the form of rallies or demonstrations or mass events. And critically, from our perspective, advocacy in the maritime ministry sector should never involve violence or involve legal actions. Our approach follows that of people like Gandhi, where we raise the issue through non-violent means. Have a dream that one day this nation will rise up 
live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. In truth, advocacy can have a myriad of forms, and choosing what is the best course of action is crucial. Advocacy has always been part of the role of those working in maritime ministry, dealing with the abandonment of crews, or the withholding of pay, or the denial of shore leave. Everyday mission to seafarers, chaplains and staff around the world are advocating on behalf of an often voiceless and invisible part of the maritime industry. The nearly 1.5 million men and women who crew the world's fleet of over 55,000 ships. However, as the world grapples with COVID-19, the plight of seafarers has become much worse. In May, 57,000 crew members were still aboard 74 cruise ships in and around the United States ports in the Bahamas and the Caribbean. Each month, somewhere around 10,000 crew globally are supposed to undergo crew changes, but these have all but ceased in the majority of the world's ports. While some ports are now allowing small numbers of crew to transit through, vast numbers remain stuck on board ships four to five months beyond the expiration of their contracts. In addition, many ports around the world have denied any form of shore leave to crew. Recently a ship came into Wellington, New Zealand, my home port, where the crew had not left the ship or stepped foot on land for over 158 days. Another ship coming into Tauranga, our largest port, had 12 of the 18 crew aboard whose contract had expired five months earlier and there was no sight of them being able to go home anytime soon. Now, more than ever, is the time for advocacy. And while there has been a call from the unions for seafarers to stop work at the expiration of their contracts, most are unwilling to do so, seeking alternative means of getting ashore. Some are resorting to incredibly drastic and life-altering measures. So what does advocacy look like right now, and what are some of the things that we can do to advocate on behalf of seafarers? For me, I think the key thing about any advocacy work is to personalise the issue, to bring it to life, to give it a name and a face. This comes through telling stories, and this has been an active part of the Mission to Seafarers annual Sea Sunday appeals for many years, because in telling stories, we humanise the issue. As such, whatever platform you use, if you can bring a real-life story into it to show your audience the issue through the life of someone impacted by it, then this can give your advocacy power. Obviously, this needs to be done with sensitivity and with the permission of the seafarer, because we need to be sure that in advocating on behalf of someone, we don't victimise them or exploit their story in any way. My firm belief is that while advocacy is to give voice to those who are voiceless, any good advocacy also promotes empowerment for those who we are advocating for. In being their voice, we should always look for ways for helping them to find and use their own voice, and this can be done through telling stories. As for platforms, there are a number we can choose. Clearly, one of the easiest things that we can do is to utilise social media. Platforms like Twitter, Facebook and Instagram enable messages to be spread far and wide either through creating our own content or by retweeting, reposting or tagging existing stories. What I tend to do whenever I repost a story on Facebook is to add my own comments and in this way I can contextualise the content to the local scene. 
So recently I reposted a great video produced by the ITF for the International Day of the Seafarer, which spoke of the number of crew caught in limbo on board ships. I reposted the story, adding comments about what was happening in my local port and in our country. This way people who are my friends on Facebook will receive the post and be able to understand what it means for seafarers where we are. Obviously a key pro for utilising social media is the incredible reach. With over 2.6 billion monthly active users as of the first quarter of 2020, Facebook is now the biggest social media network worldwide. In 2012, the number of active Facebook users surpassed 1 billion, making it the first social media network ever to do so. And of course today, the number is so much higher. Social media therefore gives great reach. However, the biggest con is saturation. People see so much content each and every day that it is easy for them to pass over your story unless it has personal connection, which is why I try to add my own comments, which leads me on to the next major con. If I can add comments, then so can anyone else, which means our greatest advocacy story can easily be misused or misquoted. Once we send it out to the world through cyberspace, there is little control over what happens to it. As such, it is important to ensure that content is current, correct, and true. Another option closely related to the first is the good old-fashioned press release. Sending stories to news agencies can raise your profile and can result in an interview. However, given the buoyancy and volatility of the average daily news cycle, often press releases can be fairly hit and miss unless there is a local connection. In Oceania, we sent out a press release around the International Day of the Seafarer, and it was largely ignored by all of the major news agencies apart from one. In the press release, there was one line which said that fatigue was a major contributing factor in the MV Rena foundering of Tauranga in 2011. The Tauranga papers picked up that story because of that local connection through that one line in the press release. All of the rest ignored our story because it simply couldn't compete with the major headlines of the day, the downturn in the economy, the looming election and issues with COVID-19 at the border. The pros for press releases is the fact that the story can be picked up and lead to interviews or major headlines. The con is the fact that your story just may not cut it if there is more compelling news or more important headlines on the day. On certain issues, direct appeals to local bodies or government agencies is also an effective means of advocacy. With the restrictions around shore leave in New Zealand, we have managed to put cases to several national agencies, including directly to the government. Advocacy that we have been undertaking for several years has suddenly become more active because of the impact of the global pandemic. While we remain unsure of positive outcomes at this stage, the issue is at least up for discussion in ways that it hasn't been previously. The pros for making appeals and submissions is the fact that there is a record of the action, and typically this will need to be responded to by the body that you are appealing to. The con is that often a great case may still lead to little change unless it connects with current policy or thinking, or unless the body hearing the appeal feels that it is in the, their best interest at the time, which is why advocacy is often a long-term game rather than one with quick fixes. Which takes me to the next form of advocacy, and that is leveraging of key events. Certainly the global pandemic has given us a powerful platform, but think about other events that you could use to leverage off. 
things like the International Day of the Seafarer, which I've already mentioned, or, or Sea Sunday, which I've also mentioned, or maybe Merchant Navy Day or other local commemorations. Any of these provide opportunities to raise awareness when people might be more attuned to listening to your story. For Sea Sunday, we utilise Facebook, church bulletins and websites, and the press, all giving us different opportunities to share something of our story. The pro, it makes your story relevant and topical. The con is that people can switch off unless the story is compelling, fresh and relevant to them. Content needs to be current and catchy. Which leads me to one important advocacy tool which is often overlooked and that is the good old-fashioned elevator pitch. An elevator pitch is a brief persuasive speech that you use to spark interest in an issue or an organisation. You can also use them to create interest in a project or an idea or a product, an issue or even in yourself. A good elevator pitch should last no longer than a short elevator ride, say 20 to 30 seconds, hence the name. They should be interesting, memorable and succinct. They also need to explain what makes you or your organisation, your product, your idea or your issue unique. So for me, my elevator pitch includes information about how we rely on the sea as a nation. And the fact that the $140 billion export and import trade relies on the men and women who crew the ships, this invisible yet vital part of our economy. I also know key facts about the after-tax profits for the main ports and the number of ships that typically call at each of them. But then I also try to make my pitch personal by sharing what I can about one seafarer that I have connected with. Doing that in 20 to 30 seconds can be a challenge, which is why it needs to be practiced and polished. The pro, an elevator pitch can grab the attention of the listener and can sow a seed for change. The con is that if your pitch is not polished and succinct, then it can miss the mark. So what are the key tips and tricks for advocacy? Well, good preparation is a very important aspect of effective advocacy. Here are a few tips to help you become more prepared. Firstly, remember that information is power. The more that you can inform yourself about a particular issue or situation, the better you will be able to speak on behalf of the issues. Depending on the situation, you may need to become better informed about seafarers' rights, local and international laws and statutes, how different systems operate locally, how other jurisdictions have achieved similar outcomes to those that you are trying to achieve. Also, part, as part of your preparation, have some specific goals or things that you would like to achieve. Know the outcomes that you are wanting or aiming for. Good preparation usually involves trying to be as specific as possible about what you want to achieve and, if possible, what specific actions you would like to see happen. Identify some possible solutions that you would see as workable. You see, it's often easy to see the problems and not so easy finding solutions. In advocacy, it is important to have some solutions ready. Telling those that you are appealing to what a good outcome might look like and how much it might cost if cost was involved can achieve change. If possible, identify what you are willing to accept if you cannot get exactly what you want. This will require thinking about what you may be willing to compromise with. This is not always easy, but it is sometimes necessary. Having a fallback position will allow you to still negotiate for something that may be acceptable even if it is not the perfect solution for now. In fact, I learned in my years in the army that you should always aim for 80% whenever you try to achieve anything, because you will never get a 100% solution at the start. 
So if you aim for and try to get 80%, then you can fight for the other 20% later. I have discovered that this tends to work quite well. Next, you need to identify some people who might be able to help you. Often, advocacy is more effective if you have allies. This may be simply someone who agrees to attend a meeting with you or support your cause or to simply take notes. It may also be someone who has some particular expertise in an issue that you are dealing with or that you are advocating for. Remember, being a good advocate does not mean that you have to do everything on your own. Identify people that you need to talk to to achieve the results. These may be people who have some authority to make some decisions or who can help make things happen. Depending on the circumstances, key people might include someone who works for government, a politician, someone from a single agency, an employer or a human resource manager in a company and so on. Know the people you need to get alongside and advocate through them. Communication is key when it comes to advocacy. Communication can take many forms, including phone calls, face-to-face meetings, group meetings, letters and emails. Here are a few tips to remember about communication, particularly when it pertains to advocacy. Be clear and concise. This means making sure that your message or requests are stated as clearly and briefly as possible. If your message or request sounds confused, other people may not know what it is that you want. What is the most important information that you need to convey? At times, other information may be useful to support your request. Too much information, however, may get you sidetracked on other issues and may not be as important. Remember the principles of the elevator pitch. Know your topic and learn how to convey it as precisely as possible. People can always ask for more information later, but they can also be turned off if you give them too much information and bombard them with so much right up front. It's also important to be assertive. When you communicate with others, they should understand that you have expectations that you want to achieve. Assertive communication also means taking in a firm but not harsh tone of voice. In face-to-face meetings, try to keep your body upright but also relaxed and use good eye contact. Remember that assertive communication is never aggressive. Listen carefully to what other people are saying. Listening is simply a respectful way to communicate. This means paying close attention to what people are trying to tell you and not interrupting others when they are talking. In addition, listening may also provide you with information or clues about how to solve a problem or to get what you want for the seafarers you are advocating for. So ask questions. If something is not clear, ask for a better or clearer explanation. Asking questions is also a good way to get valuable information that may assist you in your advocacy. Asking questions may also be a useful way to have a conversation with someone who may be able to help you. A key part of effective advocacy is building good relationships with people who are in the position to make decisions or to offer help. If possible, prepare those questions you want to have asked before a conversation or a meeting. And as I've said, where appropriate, use stories or visual ways to communicate information. Humanizing the issue is critical. Often people remember personal or other kinds of stories more than they do anything else that you have to say. Stories can be helpful in providing a sense of the real life issues that are at stake. They can also help to provide examples of how situations or issues can be resolved. Advocacy is about giving voice and face to those who are often invisible and voiceless. Our job is to help to empower their stories. As the truly inspirational Pakistani advocate Malala once said, When the whole world is silent, 
even one voice becomes powerful. Advocacy is about being that voice. Some useful resources that you might want to consider in the space of advocacy. First thing I want to suggest is just simply Google Advocacy Toolkit and a myriad of examples will pop up. Any of these have amazing ideas about how you can do things more creatively at the local level. Then there's a couple of really good TED Talks. One is called Five Steps to Becoming an Advocate by Joseph R. Campbell at TED Talks Adelaide. And another is called Advocacy Through Social Media, Why Trending Topics Matter by Karen McAllister at TEDx UTA. And here's a couple of books you might want to check out. A favourite of mine, which is a story of advocacy in the human trafficking space, is called Be the Change by Zach Hunter. Absolutely fantastic story of advocacy and change. And a second book that you might want to look at is called Living Proof, Telling Your Story to Make a Difference, Essential Skills for Advocates and Spokespersons. This is by John Capici and Timothy Cage. And now for some final thoughts. And today I want to give you and gift to you a Franciscan benediction, particularly because I think it pertains to advocacy. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths and superficial relationships, so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression and the exploitation of people, so that we may work for justice, freedom and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation and war, so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless us with just enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world, so that we can do what others claim cannot be done. Amen. So thanks for joining me for this episode of As the Crow Flies. Today we thought about the place and importance of advocacy. It's a big topic, and one which we have only just scratched the surface of. But I hope that what we have shared today has been helpful. If it has, then don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us for future episodes wherever you are listening. Equally, if it has been useful, then consider giving us a review and sharing with someone else what you have heard or pointing them to the podcast so that they too can listen in and get some ideas and topics and information that can help them be better at what they do on the front lines of maritime ministry. So thanks once again for listening and joining me on the journey. Thanks too for all that you do to make the lives of seafarers better. Join me next time as the crow flies. As the crow flies is made possible through the generous support of the mission to seafarers. The theme music is called Carefree, is royalty-free music which was written and performed by Kevin McLeod and made available through filmmusic.io.